Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Gentle Parents Unite weekly podcast with Sujai Johnson and Vivek Patel. We're really happy to be here with you. We love sharing ideas and concepts and strategies to help you with your parenting, creating deeper and more harmonious relationships with your kids. We've both been working with parents for many, many years, and we love bringing our experience and our love for this work to you. So please grab a cup of tea and a paper and pen to make some notes. Sit back and relax with us as we share some ideas around parenting. Thank you so much. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Gentle Parents Unite podcast. This is our first episode of season five. I can't believe you've been doing this for more than a year. And we love to talk about parenting concepts and give you strategies and ideas that can make your parenting life easier and bring you closer and have a more harmonious relationship with your children. And I'm here with my collaborator and friend and wise colleague, Sujai Johnson. Hello, Sujai. How are you? I am doing great. Hi, Vivek. I cannot believe that we're here in season five. Um, what an amazing accomplishment. Thank you so much for doing this with me. And um, I'm really excited to continue doing this work together and getting these messages out there for people. Amazing. Yeah, for sure. It's been interesting talking for uh, doing this weekly for so many months, you know, and and uh, I find like we keep going deeper and deeper into the concepts and it's really uh, helpful. The people that have been listening to this on a regular basis give us a lot of really great feedback. So I appreciate it. And we're learning as we go along too, which is also um, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and recently one of our listeners told me, you know, that they're all listened up and caught up and they're feeling like they gained so much from listening the first time they're actually going back through and have started re-listening to um, these podcasts right all the way back at at episode one, season one. So that's really exciting that, you know, we're impacting lives that way. Yeah, that's totally amazing. And today our topic is today is going to be about resilience, helping kids learn to develop resilience in their lives. And it's such an important topic. In a couple of days from now, you and I are actually going to be giving a workshop on developing resilience for children with an organization called the We Campaign, who are doing an entire day of uh, empowerment. And by the time this, uh, this uh, podcast goes public, we'll already have done it. Um, but it's such, an important, it's such an important topic because a lot of the time uh, you hear parents, you hear adults say kids are so resilient. And what that often means is that um, we can treat them badly, and then they'll be okay and forgive us. <laughs> and, and then, and then they can, they'll, they'll mm-hmm. uh, suck, you know what I mean? They'll suck up their emotions. They'll get back to center and stop being an uh, inconvenience to us. And, then, mm-hmm. um, and, that, and that's what we think of as resilience. And unfortunately, what that really is, is repression. And one of my sayings is repression is not resilience. And uh, it, it feels like it is because on the outside, what, what looks like what's happening is a child's upset and then they're no longer upset. So it feels like resilience. And the, the thing about that is, though, the feelings that, that kids are having, when kids have big feelings, when kids go through a big loss, when kids go through a trauma, when kids uh, feel bad about themselves or when someone maybe says something bad about them, or their feelings are hurt, and they need to find their way, and they go off center, right? They need to find their way back to their center. And this is what resilience is. Resilience is finding our way back to our center and not having a whole lot of residue from the experience left over. 
Repression gives us the appearance that we're going back to our center. The problem with repression is we're full of all of the residue. We're full of all of the after effects of the pain and didn't get uh, whatever the situation is and we didn't deal with it. Oh, and the other thing about repression is we don't actually learn to manage our emotions through the experience. The beautiful thing about resilience is we're not just ignoring our emotions, but we actually form a deep relationship with them. We understand how they work and we have a, a, the ability to manage them and to let them flow through our bodies, to let them flow through our minds, to go through the whole process with them so that they don't get stuck in, inside of us and so that we actually do move beyond them and find our way back to our center. Because with repression, we don't end up at the center. With repression, the pain covers the center and we end up giving an appearance of operating from our center, right? Operating from a calm center, operating from um, our, our rational thinking of making decisions based on our values. Like none of that stuff happens with repression, unfortunately. Not unfortunately, I mean, it just, that's just how it is. And so, you know, in order for us to teach uh, re resilience instead of repression, it requires us understanding a, lot, a whole different way of how emotions work. And so, you know, one of the, the benefit of being able to uh, have a strong sense of resilience inside of us is that when hard things happen to us, we know we can manage them. We know we can get through them. And we get through them in a way that makes us, uh, empowers us and makes us healthier, uh, with our healthier meaning have a healthier relationship with ourselves and our own mind and our emotions, have a healthier relationship with other people, have a healthier relationship with our environment and with the things that happen to us. Do you want to jump in and say anything at this point, Sujai? <laughs> I had an I had a little monkey um, jumping on my neck. Um, mm. <laughs> oh, I'm always multitasking when I'm doing this right. important work. I'm also doing the important work of parenting. You know, they're so not mutually exclusive. I mention this often when we're um, doing this work together, and my children are here and active and. Um, it's really important to me to get that message out there that um, the idea that having kids present is unprofessional is very harmful to children and women and families specifically. And so um, I work really hard to bring change around that concept that, you know, it would be unprofessional to have our children present. Um, so on the topic of resilience, because I am able to pay attention and multitask through all of this. I really appreciate what you're saying, um, differentiating between repression and resilience. You know, as humans, we are resilient. Um, we tend to bounce back. Time tends to, you know, as they say, heal all wounds. Um, and at the same time, then there's a lot of that repression that goes on within us. There's a lot of things that happen throughout our lives that we push down. So I really appreciate what you were saying about how the pain covers our center and then we're operating from those pain points and those biases instead of operating from our core center where our values are present and we're able to use our evaluation skills and our problem solving skills and have emotional awareness and um, resiliency is really what we do with 
the things that happen to us and the way that we process the things that we have been through and the things that we've witnessed and experienced. The way that we hold and carry those things is our resiliency, you know? Does it become part of our inner voice? Is it something that we're continually looking at and needing to work through? Is it something that we feel like we have a greater level of understanding and awareness around? Um, and I think one thing that strikes me is I think that a lot of people have almost a backward sense of what it takes to build resiliency. I think that a lot of people would believe that through allowing somebody space to or giving somebody lots of space to work through their emotions or subjecting them to more difficult situations so that they can know what the difficult situation is and have that opportunity to come back from it and um, creating and fabricating the kinds of pushback in life it would take to you know build resiliency and in fact i think that re resiliency much like healthy attachment it's built the exact opposite way it's built by being a safe and comfortable space where your children can really rely on you emotionally physically and um spiritually to be to be their guide, to be their mentor, to be there for them when they need you, and um, to hold them and hear them through their processes. Yeah, it's so su so su so true, Sujai. <laughs> I said well, I was going to say it's so su so su true so su true Jai is what I was going to say. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so it's so true, Sujai. I was going to do it again. It's so true, Sujai, because you know um, one of the things that happens to us when we're young is we actually become afraid of our own emotions. We become afraid of, our, of difficult experiences because they're not safe, you know? And a lot of the times the people who are, um, you know, we know instinctively are supposed to be keeping us safe are part of the very fabric of the danger uh, that we feel exists in the world anyways, right? Um, but even for the parents who are, who are, you know, like close with their kids and, uh, and um, trying to actively support them, uh, there's still that misunderstanding about resilience because resilience comes when we have difficult emotions and the people that are supporting us actually lean into us, not push us away. I mean, the idea of pushing someone away so they deal with it on their own so they develop resilience isn't really how it works. What, the way it works is if we create an environment where it's safe for kids to experience their difficult emotions, where it's safe for them and they feel held, to go through the process of looking at their emotions and feeling them and really trying to understand them and have a safe relationship with them. That way, when, they're, uh, when they are on their own dealing with their emotions, they'll have this sense that this is a safe thing to do. They'll have the sense that they've gone through the process of difficult emotions before with someone safely helping them, guiding them, um, picking them up when they fall. You know, it, it's, it's a kind of a backwards thinking that when you pick, some up, pick someone up when they fall, you're helping them develop resilience. It's almost, people would almost think the opposite. You shouldn't pick your kids up when they fall. And of course, sometimes we, you know, it's important for all of us to pick ourselves up when we fall. Um, but I don't think that's the primary way that we teach resilience. It really is. I think the primary way, just like martial arts, you know, like if I, I, I'm a martial art teacher, which means I'm teaching people to, protect themselves in dangerous situations. So now when, when if I want to teach them that, I don't just take 
take my students to a bar and insult someone and get them into a fight <laughs> and hope and hope they figure it out. <laughs> That's not the idea, eh? No. Um, eventually, but not right at the beginning. And so what we do <laughs> and so what we do though is we teach the skills and we teach the skills in a way that feels safe, in a way that people don't get hurt. Uh, in a way that's consensual, in a way that develops trust. Like if my students don't trust me, they can't learn really intense and important things from me, you know? Why would they, why would they trust me to, to help keep them, to teach them things that are, can keep them safe and potentially save their lives if they don't trust me, if they don't trust my integrity, and if they don't feel safe when they're learning these things from me? So it's exactly the same thing with us as parents. We want to teach our kids about this really intense thing, how to be resilient in the face of difficulties how to be able to bounce back when, there's, when you experience a failure or a loss or something like a betrayal, you know? And, uh, and to be able to come back from that requires us to know ourselves enough to feel safe with our own natures, to be able to go in and really look at ourselves and really feel our feelings and really do the process that's required. You know, process of, when I say process, I mean being able to give yourself empathy and hold space for your feelings and have compassion being able to think clearly about the situation and what, what impacted and what created the situation, being able to learn from it by analyzing it and thinking, you know, honestly and, and clearly and compassionately about it, by able to have compassion for yourself and the other people, by being able to set boundaries when you need them, being able to ask for help or ask for what you want or ask for your needs to be fulfilled. Like they're being able to collaborate and listen to other people. Like all of these things are aspects of resilience. Resilience isn't just, that's why I say repression is not resilience. Um, and, and, you know, speedy repression, which can look like re resilience, isn't resilience because it doesn't take into account all of these other multi-layered things that actually contribute to resilience. And relationship too. If you don't feel safe in a relationship, then, uh, you know, you're not, you don't have the space to work on your own resilience. So there's so, so many things that go into this incredibly deep topic. So I think that really um, one of the biggest components of resilience is being able to build our own emotional awareness and understand the process of being able to work through big emotions instead of reacting to big emotions. Yes, yes. That's a huge thing, you know, being able, being able to respond and choose rather than react. And, um, and I think that's one of the things that, that we can help our kids learn. Um, I think that the, the place that people get confused is we think that if we don't want, we want to help them learn to be able to choose their, uh, their responses and not um, be completely controlled by their emotions. So we think we have to use coercion in order to do that. And I think that's something that, um, is a natural tendency because, you know, we, we live in a world where the only, the primary problem solving method in all of society is coercion. Coercion meaning forcing someone to do something, giving them a consequence, making them feel bad, um, trying, to, trying to manipulate them with a reward. There's all sorts of different ways that coercion comes up. And when we jump straight to coercion, straight to forcing um, as our problem-solving method, then we lose out on a whole, a whole human experience. We lose out on a whole human relationship. You know, we lose out on becoming learning partners with our kids and, and helping them learn something really deep. 
And so, yes, even if we say, okay, look, so kids have this reaction where they melt down or they scream or they hit or they spit or they get angry or they're really upset and they're inconsolable or they get really hurt and we want to help them not be, uh, we want to help them not be so, uh, you know, so damaged when other people say things for them, say things to them so that, you know, they, they, they end up being strong uh, in themselves. All of those things don't get taught through coercion. It's true that we want to teach those things. I think that as parents, our role as guide is really important. A lot of the time when I hear people critiquing gentle parenting, they critique it from the sense of conflating it with permissive parenting. And the idea behind uh, what I understand of permissive parenting is really uninvolved parenting. It's very, very different from gentle parenting or conscious parenting. You know, we advocate for parents to be really, really super involved in their kids' learning, super involved in their exploration of values and how, and uh, you know, who who they want to be and how they want to walk in the world. Um, I often say that you know, it's it's really helpful for us to ask our kids self-reflective questions, and uh, you know, the self-reflective questions are questions like, what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of relationships do you want to have? What kind of quality of life do you want? What kind of world do you want to contribute to? What are your values? What are your principles? You know, what's important to you? What are you excited about? Um, what are your desires and hopes and dreams? What are your fears? Like being able to really think about those beautiful questions um, and to think about them together with your kids. Uh, so powerful, and it and it is one of the main ways that we can teach this idea of resilience because um, because like I said before, we are their guides, you know. So I don't want to I don't want to um, advocate for letting kids uh, just like the martial arts, right? Uh, you know, I I don't think that uh, people would come to my martial arts class if I told them they had to figure it out for themselves. They come to me because I have some skills, because I've studied, because I've practiced. And I understand how the whole thing works, and I can share it with them. So for us to teach resilience, it makes sense for us to be able to have some understanding of what resilience is beyond repression, and uh, which requires, uh, you know, some think at least thinking about it and thinking about it in our own lives. And hopefully, um, you know, some study is also useful. And listening to podcasts, parenting podcasts, and reading articles, and um, and and videos and stuff like that is really helpful. Certainly getting direct coaching from a parent coach or something, someone like that can be helpful. Like Sujai and I are both parent coaches and we have our, um, and then you start thinking, well, in this particular moment, when I'm interacting with my kid, am I helping them develop resilience? Am I helping them develop, and thinking about it, am I helping them develop a relationship with their emotions where they feel safe and secure, um, where they have self-knowledge, uh, self-esteem, self-love, self-compassion, self-awareness? Am I helping them discover their own values? Am I helping them have the courage to follow their values? Because following our values takes courage, especially when they might go against the dominant culture. And collaboration certainly is one of those things, you know? Um, resilience that's based on accepting our emotion, not repressing it, it does, it's not the main message that's out there. I think there's more of it out there than there used to be, certainly more than when I was a kid. Uh, but, but, but repression is still a pretty dominant message, you know? 
And, um, and I, want to, I want to encourage people to really deeply feel their feelings, you know? And it doesn't mean that you have to feel them all at once. And that's the other thing, you know, to understand how our emotional nature works um, is part of resilience too. That's why self-knowledge is so important. And you can't force someone to experience self, to gain self-knowledge. You can guide them, you can inspire them, you can hold space for them. You can help them reflect and reflect back to them like you are a mirror for them. Um, you know, like my kid and I, we're often mirrors for each other. And, uh, and we learn about ourselves through the reflections we see in each other. And so there's this, you know, we have as parents this great, great opportunity to help our kids build this self-knowledge, self-awareness, self-relationship so they can have resilience. Um, the key for us is to always be putting our focus there. So your kid, um, you know, your kid says, uh, they don't want to. They don't want to brush their teeth. And in that moment, you know, we might say, "Well, if you don't brush your teeth, you're not going to have time for a story." And immediately, what happens is they set up a adversarial relationship with us. We're the imposition in their um, in their process, and they either have to, you know, succumb to the pressure from our the power that we hold over them, or they have to resist it. Or they have to withdraw from us. You know, I always say that the three main responses to coercion are um, resistance, compliance, and distance. And all three are heartbreaking because none of the three, not resistance, compliance, and distance, all of those three are not genuine human connected relationship. And what a loss that is, you know, to have this, this beautiful being in your, in, your, in your house, to have this relationship with them and to push them into resistance, compliance, and distance. Um, for me, it's heartbreaking. Absolutely. And um, it certainly doesn't build resilience. In fact, it builds walls around our heart and the kind of childhood that um, we have to spend the rest of our lives recovering from, which mm. I certainly believe that's not what most parents want for their children. Resilience is, resilience is such an um, interesting thing to talk about in the abstract because I think it's, I think it's harder to apply things like this um, to everyday situations when we have um, less to relate it to. Um, when we're talking about building resilience as parents, well, what does that really mean and how do we really do that right for me i feel like resilience is as i was saying earlier you know it's really about the way that we're healing from and responding to the things that are happening around us and the things that are happening in our environment the things that are happening to us um so to speak i think some of the way that as parents that we can really work on building resilience in our children in everyday life is rather simple um it's creating an acceptance of them, of understanding who they are, what their needs are, what their values are, um, and holding a lot of space for them and their processes, especially during times when they're processing big feelings and they're having strong emotional moments and feeling a lot of upset, being able to hold space for them in that time and really help them through those processes so that they can learn healthy processes for going through those big emotional cycles. Um, right now, currently dealing with 
the COVID crisis and a lot of the associated things that um, are coming from the lockdown and um, all of the unrest and everything, you know, I really feel that our children are dealing with a lot of trauma. And I think that um, talking about something specific such as, you know, today's current events and what we're dealing with um, can help parents to apply techniques for helping their children learn resilience through a time like this in a less abstract way by, um, you know, specific examples. Your children are going to hear things that are rather scary, you know, even at very young ages, they might be hearing, you know, things that to them sound like, you know, even to us as adults, a lot of it sounds really scary, just beyond the virus itself, the financial struggles. Um, I know that a lot of families being home together more um, are finding out that, you know, there's a lot of discord and unhealthy emotional tools, so there could be more fighting in the home than usual. Um, your kids could be, you know, being exposed to all kinds of adult ideas that some of them could be coming across as very scary. Um, you know, I know some adults are you know, going as far as having like end of the world discussions and stuff. And that kind of thing is really heavy for little kids, for sure. Um, it's heavy for the adults engaging in it as well. And so um, I think, you know, no matter how young our children are, if they're getting exposed to and hearing things and even feeling, you know, big different shifts in their, in their schedules and the cycles and the things that they're used to doing, they're not seeing family members that they were used to seeing all the time. Um, any of these things that might be factors in what your children are going through right now, you know, holding space and believing that your children are wise individuals and they can see what's going on and they're processing through all of this. So, um, stepping into a place as a safe and comfortable adult. It's what I've been calling creating intentional safe space so that no matter what is going on out in the world, no matter how big things might feel like they're getting, when they come to you and we talk about this stuff, you know, we can always talk about it from a much calmer and um, very thoughtful perspective and really bring as much comfort and security to the situation as possible. You know, um, sometimes it might feel big and scary, like we want to throw our hands in the air and, you know, yell about how the finances are terrible and, you know, um, how we're really scared about what's coming next. And I think that we can talk to our children about that stuff without sharing a bunch of that underlying fear and, and continue to help our children feel safe. You know, there's this really big thing going on and there's a big shift in the world and there's a big shift in the economy and a lot of people are struggling right now. And we can talk about, you know, um, different ways that we might be able to, you know, be resilient ourselves through this really hard time and different ways that we can be resilient and pulling our family through this really hard time, different ways that we're going to be able to support ourselves through it, different programs that we can get involved in that can help us, um, different structures that are there to support us through, through this. And, you know, um, without 
imparting a doomsday energy behind it. We can talk about these big things that are going on, and we can talk about how these shifts are hard and they're scary and they're difficult being away from family and that we, you know, the loss of connections and the loss of an entire part of our lives of, you know, going to schools and all of this other stuff and um, really create a certain amount of at least within your bubble there is a certain amount of security and maybe when we go out in that world that security is less but we still have each other to lean on and um, that's really going to create that safe space for your children to be able to learn how to adapt and adjust and move through difficult situations from a more centered and balanced place and recognizing that a difficult situation when it comes up and it knocks us off balance it is really really hard to get through those steps but most often you know once we've worked through the initial feelings there's a lot of answers and resources and different things we can tap into in different ways that we can find security and um, we as human beings are resilient and we are adaptable and um, through this very life experience we can model and guide that adaptability and that resilience for our children so that they can really learn from us what it looks like to um, be resilient during a really hard time. Yeah, I love what you just said, Sujai, that they can learn from us what it looks like because I think that is one of the key things about how we educate our kids, how we teach and guide our kids is the model that we set. That we ourselves, um, you know, uh, our, our good friend, yours and my good friend and fellow admin over at Gentle Parents Unite, Margie Zintz, um, who actually, you know, for the first couple of seasons was on all these podcasts with us and we love her very much. She often says that kids do what you do, they don't do what you say. And, uh, <clears throat> and you know, obviously I think there's, there's both, both are true, but f to a large degree, if you're doing something and saying the opposite, the kids are pretty much going to end up um, absorbing, you know, right into their, into their subconscious, into their nervous system, into their understanding of relationships and the understanding of how things work, they're going to absorb what you do very much into their systems, into their understanding. And, uh, and so our own work on our healing, our own work on our resilience, our own work on our relationship with our emotions. And I almost, I almost equate relationship with emotions and resilience. I can almost equate those two uh, ideas. That our work on that stuff is so important to how we share it with them and how we help them develop it. And, um, you know, I often talk about how when we're working with our kids, there's a don't do and there's a do do. <laughs> it's a do do. <laughs> the do do. I always love the do do. And, uh, and I think both are really important to think about because there are certain things that if we do them specifically, we get in, it gets in the way of, uh, of uh, developing re resilience. For example, this is the don't do. For example, one of the biggest don't do's with resilience is punishment. Any kind of punishment for a mistake of any kind literally teaches the opposite of resilience. It's specifically teaching uh, disconnection, it's, it's teaching a lack of empathy, it's teaching a lack of t responsibility, um, because all of, the, all of those things, empathy, respon taking responsibility, um, 
things like uh, managing our own feelings and our own emotions and our reactions, like all the different things that we might want to teach our kids, punishment teaches the opposite. And one of my sayings actually is punishment teaches kids to not take responsibility for their actions. And uh, Absolutely. And I can attest that my children, my younger children, have never been punished in any way in their entire lives. And they are absolutely um, the first to tell me when they have made a mistake or done something mm. wrong without any hesitation. Um, they come to me as a very safe, comfortable space to share that. And the really beautiful thing is, you know, um, we human beings, we have our own, like, built-in judgment. <laughs> mm. And um, we don't need somebody else to shame us for our mistakes. We already feel it. And, right. you know, so when my children come to me with a mistake, they don't need me to shame them. They don't need mm. me to punish them because they already are bringing me the mistake because they would like to seek some solutions. And that's mm. the really beautiful thing is that um, we have this platform that from the mistake, we can learn how to do better in the future. We can look at that thing. We can talk about it. We can come up with different ways to um, hold ourselves accountable in this specific situation and different ways that we can hold ourselves accountable in the future so that we don't engage in similar behaviors in the future. You know, they've come to me with this mistake that they've made, with this problem that they have, mm. so that they can find ways to hold themselves accountable in this specific situation and so that they can find ways to do better next time and not engage in similar behaviors the next time they find themselves in a similar situation. Mm. And um, that's the really beautiful thing that comes out of being able to have this open communication and through not punishing is that we get to move on to the next stage, which is the relational tools, the healing, mm -hmm. the connecting, the doing better, the finding ways to hold ourselves accountable and all without a deeper sense of shame. Because as I mentioned in the beginning of what I was saying here is that, um, we human beings, even very teeny tiny ones, they have their own, we all have our own built-in shame system, <laughs> guilt system, judgment system, and right. we are individually as human beings our own harshest judge, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? There is nobody else in the world who is judging what time you get up, how much you did during the day, um, exactly how often you fed yourself at what time you fed yourself, how big your body is, how small your body is, um, the sound of your voice, you know. There's nobody else judging you that harshly except for you. And, and if they are, <laughs> they're rather toxic and you may need some boundaries with them. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the exact opposite situation also exists with adults where you have this other, this other group that are, that are um, intent, I don't know, intentionally, intentionally is too harsh a word, but I would say because of the way that they were raised and because of their environment that they grew up in, that uh, they do the opposite. They, they don't criticize themselves, but it also means they don't self-reflect and they don't hold themselves accountable and they don't grow and change based on, you know, learning about themselves because there's a whole, and this is resistance compliance and distance, right? It's the, it's the after effect of that years later. And uh, what we want to teach our kids is to be, you know, deeply self-reflective so that they can look at their situation and they can grow from it and they can learn from it and they can help themselves through it. 
And, uh, and certainly this is one of the reasons why creating a safe learning space with your kids is, um, is so important. Because uh, like you were talking about, sh uh, you know, shame and I, and um, Brene talks about the difference between guilt and shame. And me, I, I don't, I don't, if you haven't, if you don't know Brene Brown's work, um, please, please look her up. I don't really have any links for her right now, but she talks a lot about shame and she talks a lot about resilience and she talks a lot about um, our relationship with ourselves and the way that we talk uh, in our minds and the way that we, uh, the way that, uh, you know, parenting actually um, creates this, this shame. And yet we do have, like you said, we do have this natural, I like, I like the word, she uses shame and guilt. And I've never liked that because guilt has in our society in general, guilt has this, this basically the same connotation. You know, you have the, the, um, the old school grandmothers that make you try and feel guilty and you're innocent until proven guilty. Like the word has all these associations. I like the word remorse personally. I like the word remorse because remorse is kind of like, for me, it has that ring of, the, it's the natural feeling of uh, something's wrong when I act against, uh, out, of, out of alignment with my values and my principles and my priorities. When I act out of alignment with the kind of person I want to be in the world that I want to uh, help create. Um, you know, when I hurt someone and I know that when I hurt someone, I've hurt myself because um, all of us are one. We share, we share a universal consciousness. We all spring from the same earth. We all share the same space. We're all together here. So if I hurt you, I'm hurting a part of myself. And if I feel um, remorse that comes from that connection, from that sense of empathy and compassion for myself and my fellow human being, um, then that, that sense of feeling bad about something is actually beautiful. I think there's a real beauty to it. And I think that we can um, help our kids feel safe to, to feel that pain feel safe to feel that sense because uh, that's our conscience guiding us. It's not right and wrong. It's our conscience guiding us to, um, you know, through, through our inner sense of what's appropriate and what's not. Of what, like I said before, what kind of person do I want to be? What kind of relationships do I want to have? What kind of world do I want to contribute to? What are my hopes and dreams and desires and fears? And to be able to operate with those questions uh, central is so powerful. But uh, we simply can't, we can't do that with force, but we can certainly do that um, through, uh, through, uh, through holding space for our kids and learning with our kids. And that's why I, lo I, love, I, love, I love that sense of feeling bad about when we've done something that's hurt someone. I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, the key is to make it safe to feel that. And as soon as we complain, as soon as we criticize, as soon as we judge, as soon as we say, oh, how do you think that person feels? How do you think they feel, huh? I bet you had heard them. As soon as we come at it with that tone, I and mean, you can hear the tone in my voice, it's awful, right? As soon as you come at it with that tone, as soon as you start to um, make the kid feel wrong, they can't tune into their natural remorse because they're too busy protecting themselves from us and from the judgment that we're heaping on them, um, that it's not safe for them to feel that natural remorse. It'll feel like a weakness. And instead, we want that remorse to feel like a strength. And, uh, and because that remorse uh, is one of the keys to resiliency as well, because it's a, it, that remorse comes from our connection with ourselves and our connection with other people. And the deeper connection that we have with ourselves, the deeper love and care and, um, and understanding that we have about ourselves, the more we're able to work with our emotions, the more we're able to um, 
to bounce back from difficult situations without repressing our feelings. Um, the more we're able to learn about our own potential and to set boundaries, there's so many beautiful things that come from approaching things like that as opposed to, as opposed to approaching them from that harsher, more coercive um, mindset of shutting everything down. How are you doing, uh, Sujai? Are you, do you feel like there's anything major unsaid um, about resilience? You cut out there for a minute. Oh, did I? Uh-oh. Um, I was just asking if you felt there's anything there. major unsaid. What, what is, okay. Well, I'll just have to edit it later because I don't know how much got cut out. Do you know how much got cut out? What was the last thing you heard? <laughs> um, geez. I don't know. It was only it was only a sentence or two right before I jumped in. So. Oh, okay. Well, I did take a moment of silence, so before I said anything, so it might have just been that. So I'm feeling pretty good about everything we talked about. Um, right. I feel like resilience is really the way that we, the way that we heal from the things that happen around us, and um, the biggest keys are building that emotional awareness and that accountability. I'm really glad that we talked about the accountability too and the ability to um, really see ourselves and work with ourselves and um, come together as a really loving and caring family unit where everybody can really hear and see each other and work together to raise a generation of problem solvers that can see the problems in the world and instead of hiding from them in fear of punishment can meet them head on with an excitement for change. I agree. I love that idea of excitement, enthusiastic excitement for change, mm -hmm. enthusiastic excitement for our, um, you know, for facing life, um, enthusiasm for facing the and meeting the challenges of life you know these are beautiful things that we can offer to our kids and uh, and the challenges of relationship you know resilient one of the one of the most important places that resilience helps is in relationships because if you're constantly holding on to every little thing that happens in a relationship um, and not unable to process it unable to deal with it and unable to you know to bring yourself to a point where you can have a an open conversation around it um, and holding grudges for, for years and years. I mean, I've been married 27 years. I would hate my wife right now if I, if I did that. And, certain, and certainly there have been times where I haven't been as good and, and have built up a whole bunch of resentment. And uh, we've had times where we've been closer and times that we've been farther apart. Right now we're going through like this really beautiful deepening of our relationship. And I think part of the reason for that is both of us are, you know, as we mature, we're doing more work on our own inner resilience, our own work on our own inner um, self-regulation uh, so that we can be, you know, our pr present with ourselves and our best selves with each other in, in our relationship. And it's making a huge difference. And, uh, and I think that's another reason why, um, you know, helping kids with their, their, sen their sense of their own emotional processing is so important because it's going to help them in their, mm. relation, in, in their relationships too. That is incredibly beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I'll, just, uh, I'll just tell a quick story around that. You know, the other day I was, we had some interaction and then I, was, and I got upset. And so uh, uh, 
And then I was thinking later about what upset me, and I was realizing that what upset me was like a memory of things that had happened in the past that I didn't deal with, and I was holding on to this resentment. And then because of that resentment, I projected that resentment onto the present circumstance, which really wasn't, and it wasn't enough to, in isolation from the past, enough for me to get upset about. So I had all of these past undealt with things in me um, that made me get upset. So I'm doing some self-reflection. And, uh, and then I realized that there's some emotions in me, the residue that I talked about earlier that I hadn't dealt with, that I've repressed, um, and that are coming out and affecting my ability to be present with my partner in this moment. So then I knew, well, what I had to do is I have to, I have to let myself feel those things because I didn't let myself feel them before. And so now I'm working myself towards being able to feel those feelings and really hold space for them and empathizing with myself for them so that I can ease the effect that they have on me and integrate them more into my being. See, I didn't say get over them or get rid of them. I said ease, ease the effect they have and integrate them into my being so they become a part of me rather than controlling me. Mm. You know, um, those are, I do a lot of work around that. I do a lot of work on that, around that with our members over there. And those are what I call the relational biases. And we find that when we've been in long-term relationships with people, particularly intimate relationships, but also with our own parents, our own siblings, our own longtime friends, um, and our children, we carry these relational biases that very much affect the way that we're responding and reacting to the current situation. And um, oftentimes those relational biases help us a lot more, hurt us a lot more than they help us because instead of being open to a new interaction with this person, we're very locked into a cycle of the ways that we've been responding to this person for, you know, possibly, you know, in the case of our own parents and then the cases of our children and siblings, you know, an entire lifetime that we've been setting up a certain kind of a relationship that we have with people and breaking that back down and finding a place where you can really connect with somebody. It can be a lot of work and I'm certain that it's, you know, absolutely worth every bit of time put into it when you're both reciprocating and working together to um, break down those relational biases that create our relational cycles that um, continue to per perpetuate both the positive and the negative ways that we interact with any given person. For sure. For sure. And I know that if I had a different relationship with my uh, emotions from the time I was young, I wouldn't have done all that repressing. You know, I would have been able to, to work things through a lot more. And, uh, and even now, as I'm doing it, I'm recognizing that, you know, for me to bring these emotions up, I am and feel them and work through them, that I, um, you know, I don't have the capacity to do it as, as, as I mean, I do, because I've been working at it for 30 years, but at the same time, I don't, because it's new, right? And so I'm having to really slow down and feel a little at a time and hold myself in it and think it through. And, uh, and there are people who might say, oh, you're overthinking it, Vivek. But the fact is, the one thing that I've learned from my own experience and all the people that I've worked with as a coach and as somebody who holds space in this and works with parents um, is the more work like this that I do on myself and the more detail I get on it, the more all of my relationships improve. 
my relationship with myself, my relationship with, with people, and even my relationship with my own life that I, and, and the different things that I engage in. All of those things uh, improve because I don't have these invisible enemies attacking me from my subconscious, you know, or less of them. I always have them, but I have less of them. And every time I come face to face with one and I'm able to face it with courage and with love um, and work it through, then, uh, then I'm so much more whole for it. I'm so much more myself, my true self for it. And this is what we want for our kids. We want them to face the obstacles of life, the inner and outer obstacles of life with courage and love so that they can be truly who they are. Um, they can engage with the world from their true values and with a real love and knowledge of themselves. And, uh, and this will give them you know, the strongest foundation to create the kind of life that they really want for themselves. Because um, we're all going to experience obstacles, we're all going to experience pain, and the better we prepare our kids um, for that, the more um, beautiful their lives will be. And um, and I think that this uh, this different understanding of resilience, where it's not repression and it doesn't come from force, but it comes from togetherness. It comes from working through things together, um, and being a strong, safe, creating intentional safe space, like you said, support for our kids. Uh, just has the potential that's just to change things so dramatically. So I really hope that you parents out there can um, take some uh, ideas around this and shift maybe some of the things that you're doing, some of the ways that you're thinking around, uh, you know, working with your kids and educating them and guiding them and some of the ways that you think about resilience and strength in general and shift some of these uh, patterns that you have with your kids. You'll find it's uh, a huge a huge difference will happen in your relationship with them and in how they, uh, how they engage even in the family system will be so different. Absolutely. I agree. And so All many right. beautiful points you bring to the conversation. Thank you so much for your insights, Vivek. Yeah. Same here, Sujai. I always love these conversations we have and I love going deep into these topics with you. Likewise. And so folks, please join us on our, our social media spaces. We have our big, um, we have our big Facebook group, Gentle Parents Unite, that Sujai founded back like seven years ago. And uh, we now have 57,000 members. It's the biggest parenting group on, of its kind on Facebook. And it's certainly the only parenting group of its kind because, you know, the admin team that we have supporting the members over there is a group of really powerful knowledgeable, compassionate, loving people. And I'm just so proud to be working alongside them. And we also have our paid parent support space. That was hard to say. And, uh, and, <laughs> and it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful space um, where we have a lot of live events every week. We have live coaching calls that happen and live classes and meditations and all sorts of things like that. And that there's a lot of really beautiful opportunities to learn and grow together in a supportive space. And it's really for people who are on the gentle parenting path and just wanting to go deeper and deeper into it. So please consider coming to join us. Sujai and I host this space together and there's a, you know just over a couple of hundred people there. So it's a small group of really dedicated people and, we, and, all, and the whole group supports each other too. So like you can get a lot of support that way. And, um, and that's it everybody. Thank you so much for being with us this week. We really appreciate you listening to us and learning with us and we will see you all next week thank you